Hi, welcome to Not a Couple, a Will and Grace podcast. I'm Matthew. I'm Tess. And this week we're on season two, episode two, election. Two, 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 two. Will Truman for president. Grace Adler for president. <laughs> Yay, it's campaign season. Huzzah! I'm not going to lie, I'm getting a little bit like of campaign season fatigue. Oh, I know. Just because Let's I, just have the election already. I know, because IRL, in case you're listening to this five years from now, we're recording this in 2016 amid the Hillary Clinton versus Donald Trump election. On the other hand, if you are listening to this five years from now, Hillary won the election. Yay! Yay! If you're not listening to this five years from now, it's because we had to go underground and play the country. <laughs> so, so mostly this is just a note to ourselves then. What if we made a Debbie Downer noise every time Donald Trump came up? That would be a good idea. I meant in like real life. We don't have to do it on oh, the podcast. Oh, okay, great. We can definitely do that then. We can do it on the podcast too. I mean, listeners, do you want that? Oh, wait, this isn't live. You'll just have to do whatever we decide. Oops. Yay! <laughs> All right, let's get into it. Uh, I'll read the episode description. Okie doke. Uh, this episode, in an effort to tame Will's cockiness, Grace runs against Will for the pre- in election for president. I'm going to say that again. <laughs> In an effort to tame Will's cockiness, Grace runs against Will in an election for president of the Tenants Association. When Karen accidentally lets Jack's parrot escape through the window, Jack milks her for all the condolence gifts he can get. <laughs> I think that's a pretty good summary. Yes. And again, the summary is doing a good job of putting in both plot lines. Yes. Which is fair because I think both plot lines were really well established in this episode. Yeah, I feel like in this episode in particular, they were given pretty equal footing mm-hmm. too, even though they didn't interact very much. Yeah. Like, there's that brief scene at the very beginning where Jack inexplicably has his bird at Will's apartment. Guapo. Which I think was just mostly them being like, fuck, we have this entire Guapo-centric episode, and we haven't mentioned him in a while, so... But they also mentioned Klaus von Puppy. Oh my god, and then there's the Klaus von Puppy rap. Oh, that's right. I blacked out the rap because it was sad. I loved it. Definitely had a puppy. That's my puppy. I also like that he was wearing like a little handkerchief and yeah, and Jack wrapped for him. He's like, it was really cute. <laughs> um, but I think this episode had a good mix of stuff. Yeah. Um, this is probably the, the first one in a while where we've had probably Will and Grace and Jack and Karen get about the same amount of screen time. Yeah, I feel like this season in particular is doing a much better job of kind of weighting them a bit more equally, which mm-hmm. I have enjoyed. Yeah. Um. But I think the other thing I liked about it, too, is that there's the two plot lines. There's the election plot line, and there's the, uh, did we say it's dead guapo? It's the, like, the tell- Yes, the parrot. It's dead like guapo. the telltale guapo. Yes. Like, where the Karen lets the bird out, but then the <laughs> bird is actually on the fire escape the whole time. And right. And Jack, like, is like, no, he's back and he's haunting me. Guapo. 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 I think it would be better if you did it in, like, a, like a parrot. That wasn't a that wasn't parody enough for you. No, that sounded much more like a heartbeat. Guapo, guapo, guapo. Yeah, because it was the telltale guapo. I know, but it's still a parrot. As you can hear, listeners, <laughs> Tess and I have very different opinions of what comedy is. As you can hear, listeners, Tess just slurred her words because she went to grad school today and is very tired. <laughs> Tess is drunk Tess, on grad school. Tess is drunk on knowledge. But what I was gonna say is that I think the the election episode, uh, the electric part of the episode is very, almost episodic, like we get little yes. sh- snippets of it here and there, and the Guapo storyline is more episodic at first, and then we get like bigger chunks of it, so it resolves more quickly. Yes, yeah, so we kind of like, get like a taste of Guapo. Mm-hmm. Taste of Guapo, ew. Don't taste Guapo, don't you don't taste know where guapo. he's been. He's a tropical bird who lives in New York, he definitely has a disease. But, 
So like we get a little bit and then a little bit and then it just like balloons into this magnificent yeah. waffle. Yeah, that's exactly how I would describe it. Like it it crescendos almost. Crescendo. <laughs> Flipendo. Super Nintendo. I'm sorry, I'm so tired. <laughs> um well why don't we talk about Jack and Karen first since yes. they're they're crescendoing for yes, us. Yes, they are crescendoing for us. Yeah. So to give more context for the storyline, basically Jack is living at Karen still. Because he and uh, Rosario got green card married, and the INS is kind of like, that seems suspicious. So now they're living together right. at and, Karen's. And so Karen comes in at one point, like in the episode, like, I think it's when Jack's playing with Klaus von Puppy. Yes, he's playing with Klaus von Puppy. There's Rosario was there for like a hot second. Rosario shows up just to like make a joke about how sad Jack is for rapping while rubbing his dog's belly. Mm-hmm. And then Karen's like, honey, you know how sometimes. Bad things happen to good people, <laughs> and sometimes bad things happen to you. And then she's like, and then she like just like does a dramatic reveal, and like she takes the sheet off of Guapo's cage, and it's empty. And she's like, I'm so sorry, I opened the window to yell at someone for like a fashion faux pas or yes. something. And like, and she's like, before I could even yell, hey loser, like the bird flew out. <laughs> Which okay, I have a dumb question because I've never owned a pet bird, but I was under the perhaps naive assumption that if you had a pet bird, their wings were typically clipped. Um, they usually are, but I mean, it would be just like the characters to have a bird with clipped wings and for Karen to open the window, have the bird like flutter out quickly and then just be on the fire escape and Karen be like, oh no, where's Guapo? (laughs) Comical image of Karen looking around while Guapo is just like hanging overhead. (laughs) That is very true. That wouldn't really surprise me. Because it's revealed very immediately, Guapo is just literally hanging out on the fire escape. Yes. So Jack is naturally distraught about the loss of his bird and like goes through this whole like thing. He's like, when this guy and that guy and the other guy broke up with me. Who was there? Guapo, guapo, guapo. guapo. (laughs) There, there, there. (laughs) And he's just like very distraught about how Guapo's been there for all of his like romantic trials and tribulations. And in classic Karen fashion, Karen is going to fix the problem by paying for it. Yes, she's like, let's go shopping. And he's like... Okay. And she's like, I might buy you a Rolex. We'll go to Barney's. We'll skip the sale rack. And then she finally, like, convinces Jack to go. And then he, like, has a moment where I'm pretty sure he's celebrating getting to go shopping regardless of (laughs) his apparent broken heart over the bird. And he, like, opens the blinds to reveal that Guapo is on the fire escape just, like, sitting out there. And Jack is, like, scandalized. And he looks around and he looks around and then he just, like, closes the blinds and goes shopping (laughs) anyway. It's a really good plot because it shows us Jack behaving badly in a way that isn't problematic or gay-coded. Right, it's not like an icky Jack behaving badly. It's just Jack being his, like, very shallow, materialistic self. Yeah. I feel like the show hasn't really celebrated Jack being bad as a person yet. Right, like, and so I feel like this episode is very good because it kind of just lets him and Karen, like, embrace their, like, shallow shopaholics inside. And so, like, Karen, like, doesn't do, like, an emotionally honest thing to make up this loss to Jack. She takes him shopping. Right. And then... Because that's what works for them. Because they're emotionally shallow people. Exactly. And so then... So she takes Jack shopping to make him feel better. And then Jack is reveling in all the gifts, but is sort of racked with guilt about the fact that he totally found the bird still. and Racked with guilt for Jack. For himself. Like, for his, like, level of being guilty. Right. It's not very good. Right. It's not a very eloquent level of... Of, like real guilt. It's Although at one moment he does literally weigh uh, <laughs> Rappo and I uh, oh, his Rolex. Say? His Rolex on the other hand. So he's got his arms like stretched out. He's got like Guapo on one arm, 
and the rogues over there, and he's teetering back and forth like an actual pair of like brass scales. Yes, and so it's really funny. And then he throws the bird in the closet with the beautiful line of, "Okay, Quavo, the closet's not that bad. Will spent twenty years in there." It's like <laughs> shoves the bird in the closet, mm-hmm. and then it's all resolved after he gets even more shit from Karen, and then she <laughs> makes him feel even worse because she's like, "I figured out a way to make it up to you because I really don't feel right about this. I bought you a boat," and then she like, "It's like a gay party boat." Too. It's like a gay party boat. She's like, and it's staffed with twenty sailors, and they're all gay or questioning, and mm-hmm. so like Jack is just like, "Oh, Karen, I can't take it anymore. I found Quapo, and I've just been using you," and she's like. Oh, I know. And then, like, admits to the whole house being bugged with cameras. <laughs> that sounds like, right. Sounds right, but creepy. And then she proceeds to do the most Karen thing ever, where she admits to violating him sexually, but it's a joke, and they laugh about it. And she's like, so he's like, so you've seen? And she's like, I have, and congratulations. Like, <laughs> So she's like, basically, like, good job on your big dick. And then right. they laugh it off, which made me feel weird, but I guess that's their relationship, so right. I won't judge it. <laughs> but... Yeah, so it's it's really funny because you get Karen basically congratulating Jack for trying to manipulate her into gifts. Right. And her not caring because she's just <laughs> so rich that she's just like, eh, whatever. This is fun. I like treating Jack. I like having an excuse to treat Jack. Right. I like knowing that eventually Jack will find out that I know and then he will have a glorious expression on his face. And we'll have this beautiful moment of brief drama and then we'll laugh it off because uh-huh. that's just who we are as people. I think part of the reason this plot worked so much for me is that it got Jack and Karen out of Will and Grace's respective offices. Yes, we were talking about that a little bit off mic. Um, Because, yeah, I feel like especially in season two, we really haven't seen them go into Will and Grace's respective offices. Mm -hmm. And I think that's working for them. Yeah. I feel like a lot of times they just don't have a lot to do in those offices because Karen is such a lackluster employee that her being there is mostly just to, like, comment on whatever Grace is doing. Which is funny, but doesn't really give her a big personal narrative even if the narrative is i'm going to take jack shopping it's still interesting and different and it's right. not just her sitting and filing her nails at the desk in in grace's office and it just gives her more to do right exactly she literally has more to do and we see that same thing with jack where a lot in the first season we saw jack in will's office mm-hmm. and he would just like show up and like right harass or in the will, apartment but like... or in the apartment like but this is nice because giving Jack and Karen their own space in Karen's mm-hmm. house has kind of let them play with each other yeah. in a way that isn't impacted so much by Will and Grace. And I think that's... And it is a shared space. Yes, it is a shared space. But I feel like it's it's doing good things for their characters because it's kind of letting them like have this like Pee-wee's Playhouse level like mm. kooky craziness where they just like play off each other and then there's Rosario there making commentary. But like without Will and Grace there to like be somewhat of the moral high ground. That's really true. Like they just they play around, they laugh, they have a good time. It's shallow as shit and completely meaningless and it's all based on like capitalistic garbage. <laughs> but it's funny and it's fun right. to watch and I'm enjoying watching it much more than I've enjoyed like several of the scenes where yeah. Karen filing her nails. Well, even in the last episode where we don't spend a lot of time with Jack and Karen, the scenes that we do spend in that space are all like really wacky and zany. Yes. It's, it's Jack learning that he's part of the help now, which is yes. just, it's just such like a bizarro description, but like in that playhouse, it that's the rules. Yes. You, you marry help, you are help. That's how Karen exactly. treats you. But like, and it's sort of funny because then you sort of get a recontextualization of their relationship in that like, Jack has essentially been, like, Karen's, like, non-sexual rent boy. Like, she's been his plaything this whole time. But, like, once he moves into the house, those terms are completely outlined. And they're both like, eh, 
okay, that's okay. We're okay with right. that. Like, we'll shake it up. It's fine. It's fine. And so, like, the, like, the only downside for Jack, like, he gets to keep his dog and his bird in Karen's immaculate penthouse. Right. The only downside is that he has to share a bed with Rosario, which... Doesn't sound He's fine with. She buys socks for him. I mean, that doesn't sound like the worst marriage. Let's be real. There's no way Jack was having sex with boys in his apartment anyways. Yeah, because I think he was living with his mother. Well, I just mean in general, like, <laughs> Jack's not the kind of person who's going to bring a guy home. Oh, no, you go to his place. Right. You Jack's the kind of guy who them. might come home and be like, oh, my God, I haven't been home in five days. Oh, my God. I was like that one. Not that I was sleeping with that many people. It's just I was sleeping with one person, and I was like, fuck, when was the last time I was even home? <laughs> oh... I guess the only other thing is that it's a really funny conclusion. Oh, yeah. They have... It's just such a beautiful conclusion. Like, we, we already kind of talked about it, but I liked that it ended on a really light tone. Yes. It was not like a, oh, everyone learns a lesson, which we yes. get a lot with Will and Grace, but... I like, don't like it when Jack and Karen learn lessons. No, because they don't stick, because they are, like, the ultimate sitcom characters, where, like, mm-hmm. you do some stuff, you learn a lesson, and everything's the same. Right. I like that they're just kind of cutting out that middle step. They mm-hmm. just do some stuff, and everything's the same regardless. And right. I think that that's ultimately funnier... Because yeah. while, like, they're clearly, like, basically cartoons as people, it's much yes. more entertaining to watch them try and interact with the real world as cartoon yeah. people than it is to, like, try and watch them, like, grow as humans. Right. Like, this is a sitcom. They're not going to really grow. Mm-hmm. They're more probably growers than showers. But <laughs> maybe they're showers and not growers. Not the point. The point Either is way. they're cartoons. We love them. It's funny. <laughs> All right. Let's talk about Will and Grace. Yes. Okay. So Will and Grace's plot is also fantastic this oh episode. Oh, my God. Um, the idea of having Will and Grace pitted against each other in this election setting, first of all, it works out really great for our podcast, because unlike in 1999, it's actually an election year. Yes. So So it's funny to watch, for us to watch these two characters get in an election setting. (laughs) I don't really know why the creators chose to have an election episode in a non-election year. That seems like a huge missed opportunity. I mean, like, I just... It just, I think it's just that the, the premise of the episode is really funny that it seemed like a waste to save it. That's true. Like, I could totally see them coming up with that in the writer's room and kicking around the idea of, like, well, we'll wait until next year to see if we get picked up. Right. And That's like, true. Because I suppose the show wasn't really secured at this point. Right. Like, it's only season two. So I could, and it's a really strong episode. Yes. So I totally see why they would just be like, yep, this is brilliant. We're going to use it. And it does play on more of the, um, Elements of Will and Grace being separated this season. Yes, it does. Because that's kind of been a theme that we've seen so far as them Mm -hmm. trying to struggle with their separation. Right. Like, I couldn't see... First of all, Grace wouldn't be in the situation because she only ends up in the meeting... Not like only ends up in the meeting... Oh, yeah. She only ends up in the meeting because her fireplace doesn't work. Right. And then she talks to Will about it. Like, she essentially explains that she's trying to light a fire and she can't get it to light and, like, exploded on her and everything was terrible. Right. And he's like, oh, that's because your fireplace doesn't work. It's... it's sealed shut and she's mm-hmm. like well why and then he explains like well the like i don't know the tenants association whatever the fuck they call it we'll unpack whether or not this is like a condo board or a co-op or whatever the fuck yeah, later I, whatever not important but so like essentially the condo board or co-op tenants, place or the tenants organization. association which is what they actually call it a tenants associ- the tenants association of which will is the head right decided that they weren't going to fix all the fireplaces and bring them up to code. So they sealed, like, half of them shut. No, I think it's implied that they sealed all of them shut, isn't it? No, because Will's works and a few other ones work. So I think the mm. implication is that they sealed a lot of them shut. I but not implica- Will's. I thought the implication was that they sealed everyone's shut except Will's. Okay, maybe that was the implication. I was seeing Will as way more of, like, an evil dictator in this situation. Okay, but that's the thing. So, like, essentially Will's been, like, the president of the Tenants Association for fucking ever. Right. He's basically, like, if you mix Hitler with... Like, fucking 
what's his name? FDR. Right. Like, he'd just been reigning forever. And it's, Hitler plus FDR, he really? He's got the longevity of FDR and the, and the evilness of Hitler. Like, so he's completely tyrannical, like, president of the association. Right. He's just like, no, um, we decided that we weren't going to do, we weren't going to fix the fireplaces because we wanted to fix the lobby. And, like, right. when he says that, like, everyone kind of looks around like, did we? Like... <laughs> And but they're like, all, like, way older than Will and Grace. They don't really right. care. So it's, like, a bunch of olds plus these two 30-year-olds who are, right. like, fighting it out. And so, essentially, <laughs> Grace, like, tries to, like, start, like, some sort of, like, proletarian revolt yeah. over these fucking fireplaces. And then... Will, and a bunch of other stuff, too. And a bunch of other stuff. So, essentially, when Will just, like, isn't listening to her and is completely dismissive of her, which we'll get to that in a moment, <laughs> um, he, she decides she's going to run against him. And then it, in natural will and grace form, because they're both very competitive people, mm-hmm. it completely devolves into, like, a shit show mudslinging of an mm-hmm. election. Yeah. I really liked that we got to see Will and Grace compete in a non-really negative way. Yeah. Like, in the Alley Cats episode last season, that was really a negative competition. Right. Like, because there was a lot of, like, blamey, shamey garbage happening yeah. there. This was, like, a very, ultimately, low-stakes competition. Right. Like, they took it really, probably too seriously. But right. it didn't really matter either way. Right. Like, essentially, like, it was just, like, eh. Like, it's not, like, something that's, like, I mean, it's going to impact your schedule. But, like, right. other than that, it's not, like, a do or die, this defines who I am as a person sort right. of situation. The fight basically became I'm right and you're wrong versus I'm right and you're wrong. Right. Which, yeah. you know, which makes sense for Will and Grace. Right. And I just, the it's just so delicious to watch because they just get so dirty. Yeah. So then you watch, like... First, there's the scene with the fucking French laughs, which, oh. Uh, they do this weird French laugh thing where they're like, ha 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 ha. So essentially, it starts with like Grace has like a bunch of posters and shit that she's putting up all around the building, being like, like Grace Adler for change. And then Will's campaign slogan is essentially, nothing changes ever. Hooray! <laughs> which is like the least progressive platform that a gay man could ever run on. Well, that's Will Truman right there. Yup. And so, like, so he's gloating because she's working really hard to, like, get votes, and he's just like, I don't have anything to worry about. Right. And he does this, like, French laugh and whatever, and then they get off the elevator, and they, like, run into one of their neighbors who live on the same floor as them, mm-hmm. and Grace, um, like, says hi to this woman, and then he says hi to that woman, and then the woman, like, tells Will that she doesn't like him because she found out that he'd been eating her Fruit of the Month subscription, <laughs> and then you find out that Grace is like, oh yeah, well I said hello to them this morning and it just sort of came up mm-hmm. that I like, and he's like, I ate one like Japanese pear once and you were on, you were in like Boca or something, <laughs> but like still, it's just like, so she's clearly like, she's, and she's just like trying really hard to win this, but yeah. she's doing it in like the dirtiest, very like, smear campaign, very smear campaign, like she's going door to door to essentially be like, Will Truman is like, a monster. A right? monster. Will Truman's a mess. Like, but then I like that Grace overthinks it. Her overthinks herself and like goes too far and then like has like what? What must it be? It's a it's an, a ten point plan that's oh built God. out of the letters of her name. Where it's like and like I think I actually saw one of the tenants die. Responsibility. Yes. And it's like the longest speech, and she's also delivering it wearing a sandwich board with like a fucking whisk yep. as like her pointer, and so like. Her, she's trying so hard that she completely overdoes it. Yes. And Will starts to panic and, like, starts to completely overdo it, too. And there's a beautiful scene where he's, like, handing out flashlights and she's handing out lemon squares. Mm -hmm. And then he, like, blows the powdered sugar from the lemon square in her face and then she (laughs) pretends to be hurt. And he's like, Gracie, are you okay? And she... No, no, it's the other way. It's, he shines a flashlight in her face. Oh, he shines a flashlight in her face and then she pretends like she's hurt. And then he comes back and she shoves a lemon square in his face. And it's beautiful. It's so great. 
So like there's... again, just really low stakes violence. Yes, low stakes violence. It's very slapstick. It's super <laughs> funny. And then like so we get to the election, which by the way is just not realistic of any actual small committee election. Mm-hmm. Like I've been on those types of boards where like you have to like have a quorum to even decide you're having an election. And right. It's a lot of garbage. So <laughs> it's much simplified, but whatever. So it comes down to it's a tie. Of course. So they have each, like, I think they each have like fifteen votes. Right, something. something like that. And then they realize that one of the tenants isn't there. Because he's in the hospital. Because he had a hernia surgery. Yes. And so they go to the hospital mm-hmm. because they are not good people. <laughs> They're just clearly like this has overtaken their lives and they need to know who wins immediately. Right. But they don't bring anyone with to like verify the election results, by the way, which I found to be suspicious. Uh, but whatever, I guess. It this, works. This isn't like like a real election, so I guess we don't have to care about right. like voter integrity. So like... <laughs> <laughs> so, and it's just, oh, they just play so dirty. And, like, Will tries to take the moral high ground, so he walks in, and they've, he's got a teddy bear, and she's got a balloon or something. Yes. And he's just like, oh, nice move telling the receptionist that you were his daughter. And then the nurse comes in and is like, oh, Rabbi Truman, you found him okay. <laughs> so, like, so like he doesn't get to hold that moral high ground for, like, more than three seconds, mm-hmm. because it immediately is eviscerated, because he's doing <laughs> the same shit. Except arguably worse. Yeah, because, like... Will's not even Jewish. He's not even Jewish, like that's kind of a little just icky. Yeah, don't do that, Will. Don't do that. Don't play a rabbi. Don't play a rabbi unless you're a rabbi. Don't, or Meryl Streep. Don't do the Angels Yiddish word. Reference. Don't do the Yiddish word that rhymes with time if you can't do the time. Is that a real thing? Well, it, don't do the crime if you can't do the time. I don't know any Yiddish, so I don't know any words that rhyme with time. Okay. Listeners, write in if you know any appropriate Yiddish words that would work in that sentence. Okay. We'll say them on next week's podcast. <laughs> So then it's they, just funny. It's very funny. And then, so they wake up the guy from the hospital, and they're right. like, who would you vote for? And he's like, Grace. And then Grace wins. And then Will, because he's evil, gloats, because he's like, oh, so I'm really excited for you to have to get up if I have to let the gas guy in. And yep. then, how did you deal with all the tenants' stupid problems about, like, that lady's missing umbrella, uh-huh. blah, blah, blah. And so it's very... And he spins it, where he spins he's, it. Won, he's the winner. He's still the winner. Right. So it's very funny. I want to clarify it by saying it's very, very funny. Mm -hmm. Before I put on my top hat. Oh, boy. Because we're about to go into a feminist rant, which I wear a top hat for for some reason. I'm very tired. (laughs) So, I, it's just like, okay, so I feel like this episode kind of extrapolates something about Will and Grace's relationship that has made me feel very uncomfortable since rewatching this starting in season one. Tell me more. And that thing is that I think Will is kind of a misogynist a little bit. Like, I... What? A man on a sitcom in 1999 is a misogynist? Yeah, I know. Real okay, bad sorry. I won't be sarcastic. Say your thing. <laughs> so, essentially, I kind of get this feeling that, like, Will, every time we see him go up against Grace in any sort of competition, he assumes that he has the moral high ground. He assumes right. that he is right. And he just looks down on her in this very gendered way in my opinion like it seems like he's very dismissive of her he thinks she's too neurotic and too emotional and that he's logical and therefore he's right and it's essentially kind of feeling to me like he's hitting me in the face with his penis right now and it makes me feel very uncomfortable so just in this episode in particular with his gloating and the french laugh and his like just no nonsense of no grace we're not going to do anything about your fireplace or anyone else's fireplace because i decided and i'm right right and he's also very dismissive of the other um, women who are in like the tenants associations and their concerns. 
Granted, one of their concerns is literally my umbrella has been missing and I think someone else stole it. And that's kind of a very small concern. But he's just very dismissive of the women in particular. <laughs> At the meeting, he like, Grace has her hand up for like the entire hour long meeting and he ignores her completely because he just thinks that there's just no point in even bringing her question into like the public because he's just so dismissive of it and he's mm -hmm. such a control freak and it feels so gendered that he just won't even let her be heard. Right. So like... It just makes me crazy because I feel like this is a problem that we've seen in a lot of other episodes of this show, particularly the episode where, like, he says that he thinks that Grace is a bad businesswoman. Right. And we also see it, in, and we also see it reinforced with Jack because Jack is a flamboyant, sometimes feminine gay man. And we literally have that entire episode where Will essentially says that that is something he does not like about Jack. Right. And he finds that to be very, like, demeaning that he, as a gay man, could be associated with this femme like, mm -hmm. flamboyant Frenchman. Right. So, I, I just, I feel like this episode, while it's very well done and it's very, very funny, doesn't do enough to get me off this Will might be kind of a sexist train. Right. Well, I think this is kind of the problem with, not to be really broad, but I think this is kind of the problem with sexism in general, is that it's so hard to get people who don't understand implicit sexism on board mm -hmm. with that, because... I think, like, the initial response to that is that, well, no, of course Will's not being sexist. That's just his dynamic with Grace. Right. He, he's a very controlling person. It makes sense. He always kind of is hypocritical. But those character traits are themselves a little sexist. Right, because, I mean, like, we know that Will is a controlling person, but we've seen him perform that controlling behavior much differently when faced up with particularly heterosexual men. Yes. Like in, for example, from season one, Harlan, mm -hmm. um, we see him be controlling and try and coach Harlan, but he doesn't get as dismissive and demeaning mm -hmm. and just out damn, downright rude sometimes. When it, I mean, I understand that Harlan is his client. Right. But like, and so there has to be like a level of professionalism, but even when he's helping Grace in a professional capacity, mm -hmm. he still treats her kind of like a child sometimes. Yeah. And I... It's starting to kind of just, like, weigh on me, and I feel like I can't go through another, like, swatch of episodes where I'm, like, sitting there stewing on this sexism and not bring it up. Yeah. Because I feel like it's it's not overt, and it's almost certainly not intentional. It's just kind of the byproduct of a television show that's written and produced by men mm -hmm. who just, they're like, ooh, look at this kooky-ass relationship between this, these cross-gender friends, and isn't that wonderful? Mm-hmm. But they're not stopping to examine, like, the impact that this might be having on this woman who's also in this relationship, who, while she very much so loves and cares for her friend, is also getting, like, genuinely, like, disenfranchised by his actions sometimes. Yeah. Well, it kind of sucks, too, because even when she wins, she doesn't really win in this yes, episode. Yes, like, that's the thing. So Grace wins, which could be like, yeah, Grace gets what she wants. But then Will is like, well, you're just, you don't want responsibility. You don't want this stuff. And see, I was I was surprised by the way that concluded because I thought he was trying to trick her into letting him have it again. I thought so, too. But instead... But he, he seemed genuinely, like, he realized that he had made a mistake and was being too controlling, which, on one hand, is a good character development for Will. But on the other hand, I don't buy that. You know? Like, I don't feel like he's like, oh, I realized I was being too controlling. I think he's like, well... I guess, since I didn't get my way, I will now exact my revenge by planting the seed about how terrible this is <laughs> going to be in your head four hours before you start. Well, I think it's a little of both. I think there is a part of Will that genuinely feels, based on his demeanor and the way he responds, I think it's a part of him that genuinely feels like, oh, I guess I just have to control it. And I think there's also a part of him that probably should have told Grace that, that in the first place, but it kind of got overshadowed by this competitive side. Right, like, I feel like, I just feel like 
in particular, Will is just so much more willing to sacrifice, like, integrity and also, like, valuable stuff in their friendship Mm -hmm. for winning. Like, he just wants to win, but he particularly wants to win with grace. Yes. And I don't really understand that. And maybe there's some more nuanced readings of that that you could make. Yeah, Grace does the same thing too, but not to the extent. Right. Like Also, I think we should maybe look back, but I'm not sure Grace wins as often as Will does. I feel like Will does win more. And I feel like there's definitely something to be said about letting a gay man in 1999 on a sitcom win. Mm-hmm. But I feel like it can't always be at the expense of a woman. Yeah. I guess my, my off-the-cuff thought is that I feel like Will wins most of the time when there's external conflict. Yes. But Grace wins almost all the time when the two of them are conflicting with no outside people. Like, if Will and Grace get in a fight, I feel like usually Grace ends up on top. Maybe. And or at least at least it's a closer ratio. Hmm. I don't know the exact numbers, but listeners, comment. Let's discuss. Mm-hmm. Let's have a discussion. Am yeah. I being way too, like, intense? Am I searching for problems? Mm-hmm. Am I just a crazy feminist? I mean, I am. But also, <laughs> I think that there's definitely some truth to be found here. So let's discuss this. Please yeah. comment. We'll talk. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, so that's me getting off my soapbox to discuss the inherent and sort of, like, passive feminism that I have found in the last season mm-hmm. and two episodes of Will and Grace. <laughs> Yay. Off. Hooray. Well, I think that could be actually kind of a good place to leave it. Um, Sorry, that wasn't that much fun, you guys. <laughs> I mean, it was a fun episode, though. I really yes. enjoyed it. It's continuing a good streak. I feel like we're going to have a lot of good episodes in a row, and I'm mm-hmm. going to be very disappointed when we get a bad one. <laughs> yes. I um, feel like that does definitely happen. I also, but we'll see. I also just wanted to take a second to say that, like, I enjoyed this episode. I thought it was very funny. And I also want to implore other social justice warrior type people like myself to remember that you are allowed to enjoy problematic things. Mm -hmm. You can enjoy the parts of them that are good and still comment on the parts that you didn't like and you find issues in. And we can all still watch television. I promise. Oh, thank God. (laughs) I know it can be tough sometimes, you guys, but I promise we can all still watch television. Your fave is problematic, but that doesn't mean that it's wrong to watch. (laughs) Alright, uh, Tess, why don't you tell everyone where they can find us? Okay, you can find us on the social media. Okay, so you can find us on Twitter at NotACoupleShow, on Tumblr at NotACoublePodcast.tumblr.com. You can send us an email at NotACoublePodcast at gmail.com. You can find our show notes on Medium. You can find us on Mixcloud. And that's it. We might... And a Patreon. We're getting a Patreon. Um, <laughs> and also maybe an Instagram someday. We've been talking about this for a couple of episodes, but it hasn't happened yet. So stay tuned. We'll Who knows? Post, we'll post it on Twitter if it happens, okay? Yep. Just Google Not A Couple, and then when you don't find us, Google Not A Couple Will and Grace. Yes. And then when you don't find us, listen to this podcast again, and we'll tell you where to find us. Yes. <laughs> Actually, I do think we are showing up if you type in Will and Grace on Tumblr, which I Ooh, noticed. I that's did it exciting. yesterday. I was looking for some gifts. Yeah, so you'll tell us you can find us on Tumblr, Medium, or all those other fun places. Yes, and read our show notes. Matthew works really hard on them, and they're very funny. Thanks, Taz. That's so sweet of you to say. It's almost like you have a vested interest in making people read them. Like, it's our podcast. It is our podcast, but they are genuinely funny. Like, I wouldn't, like, tell people to read them if they thought they were kind of shitty. Thanks. But they're very good. That sort of means a lot to me. They're very good. They're (laughs) very great. The tone is wonderful. They are very pleasant and enjoyable. Please read them. And also, read them because they're a great resource, because they have a nice link roundup in every single one, where it will tell you references to things that we mentioned, because we have a tendency to do that. So, mm-hmm. if you're ever confused, you're like, what's that thing mean? We'll probably tell you. And if we don't, you can always yell at us. And there's comments on Medium, I think, maybe? I don't know. I don't know. Tweet at us, it's fine. <laughs> Social media. 
All right, guys. Thanks so much for listening this week. Uh, we'll be back next week. I'm Matthew. I'm Tess. And this is Ben. Not a couple. Bye. This episode of Not a Couple was recorded in front of a live studio audience of one cat. Mm. Hi, Eliza. Yeah. Remember to register to vote. This episode is basically sponsored by Hillary Clinton because no one involved in this podcast, including the cast of Will and Grace, is not going to vote for Hillary Clinton. If you're interested in learning more stuff about Hillary Clinton, please check out the hashtag VoteHoney um, for more fun Will and Grace Hillary Clinton related stuff. Including a very special Will and Grace 10 minute mini episode. And it's amazing!